season, so I should be on a beach in Mexico somewhere, with a drink in my hand. Well, sadly, I'm here to report that I'm far from it. We have some five feet of snow forecasted for the next week or so, so the only waves that I'll be seeing are from the plow truck driver as he buries our vehicles behind the berm. So, since I was forced inside... I thought I'd put together a little beyond bonus episode for those of you out there, Jonesin, for old MAU. And you're about to hear Season 14, Episode 12, and Season 13, Episode 15's Beyond Bonus Content, for the first time here on the main feed. Now for those of you keeping track, these episodes were introduced back on 12-8-22 and 6-22-22, respectfully. And both can be found with a whole slew of other bonus content over at the Beyond. To join the Monster Squad, just visit our website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the Patreon tab. $1 gets you ad-free regular episodes, and $5 gets you access to content, just like what you're about to hear. Now, on the Season 14, Episode 12. After this message from one of our amazing sponsors. Hey folks, I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you guys know about an awesome service that we're using called First Leaf. Now tonight's show is sponsored by America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf. And if you're anything like us, you may choose your wine by the design on the bottle. But I have somewhat of an idea what I like in a good wine, but I'm by no means an expert. Fortunately, First Leaf takes the guesswork out of wine selection. It's easy. You just take a short quiz online about your taste preferences, and they send you a box of wine selected specifically for you, straight to your door. When you rate the wines they send you, your taste profile becomes more customized and accurate, so your boxes continue to get even better. Now, all of the wines we received were award-winning, and they were all wines we would never have known to try, but we're so happy that we did. Now each bottle is discounted and backed by First Leaf's satisfaction guarantee. So when you're setting the mood to listen to a new Monsters Among Us episode, make sure the wine you're pouring is catered specifically to you. Sign up today and get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. 
go to tryfirstleaf.com forward slash M-A-U. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com forward slash M-A-U to get your first six bottles for only $39.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com forward slash M-A-U. And supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to that terrifying content. Now to open things up this evening, we begin in Massachusetts, where Joanne is waiting with her entry. Hi, Derek. This is Joanne. I hope I'm not double dipping. I did submit this a couple years ago to a different podcast, but that was really more about sharing spooky stories and not getting answers. And so I still don't know what this was. And I would really, really love your opinion on what I saw. So this would have taken place in the early to mid 90s. It was in the area of the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts, and it was late at night. So to preface this, All my life, and literally one of my earliest memories, I would see shadow figures, and it would be when I was really upset and wishing for my parents, and I would see the form of my dad, for example, come into my doorway in my room, sometimes walk into the room, and as soon as I spoke to it or reached out, it would disappear. And so that happened for years and years and years, and I say that because when this took place, I was... 12 or so, and so tired of this phenomenon happening. So I was sitting in bed one evening, probably pretty late. My parents were asleep, and I think I had fallen asleep and woken back up. And I looked out, I could see through the hallway and into my dining room, and there was a little couch. And I saw on the couch, not a shadow figure, but the opposite, some kind of figure of light. It was skeletal, but with... The only thing I can describe it as, I guess, is an aura around it. So it had a body-type figure, but you could still see that it was skeletal with hollow eyes. And it was sitting, I think its hands were resting on its lap or next to its hips, and it was looking actually into my parents' room, just staring in my parents' room, frozen. And I thought, I don't want something new. I don't want to deal with this. There was a flashlight next to my bed, and I thought, all right, well, usually when I get close to whatever it is, it disappears. I'm going to go up to this thing. It's going to go away and I can go to sleep. So I took my flashlight. I walked out. I was in the hallway and the thing was still there. And then I got closer and closer. With every step, the thing was still there. I could see it even better. It didn't look at me. It didn't move. It didn't look like it was breathing. It was just there and staring into my parents' room. And I got within, I was so close, I could have reached out and touched it. And it was still there. And so... No amount of shining my flashlight was helping, and so I got scared. I ran back into my room. I slammed my door. My door didn't always like to stay shut, so it opened back up, and from my bed, I could still see that thing. And so in response, I put covers over my head, because that always works, and just stayed that way until morning and fell asleep at some point. The last shadow figure I ever saw, I was about 15 or 16, and it was actually my dog. I was upset. I wanted her. I heard her run up the stairs to my bedroom. I heard her little tags jingling. She came around my side of the bed. I think this was actually daytime. And I reached out to pet her and she was gone. So 
I really do feel like all of that was something in my head going on because it eventually went away. I don't know. But that other figure, that white figure that I really do not feel was in my head. That was something else. So I would love to get your thoughts. Thank you so much, Derek. Take care. Thank you, Joanne. You know, you're certainly not alone here. I've heard my fair share of illuminated entity accounts over the years. In fact, it wasn't that long ago that I shared a story by Marco. A story he told about his grandmother seeing a bean made of light back in Mexico. That's season 14, episode 9, I believe. The beyond portion, of course. If you would like to revisit that one. Now, an enormous thank you to all of you for revisiting us here this evening. I carefully plucked a handful of calls to share with you here tonight. And it's going to be mostly ghostly here this evening. So I hope you're into that kind of thing. Beginning with this one from Matt from the Lone Star State of Texas. Hey, Derek. This is Matt in Texas. I'm calling about a paranormal experience that I had that, you know, saying it out loud, it, it, it's kind of crazy to go back over the story. It's completely changed the way I look at this stuff. I used to not really, you know, believe in all of that. I always thought it'd be cool. But anyway, so I'm a maintenance person for an apartment complex. And this happened in 2020 when everything was locked down. At the time, I was doing, I was working out after work, and the gym was actually closed during the whole shutdown. So I was pretty much fortunate to just be able to go in there by myself and kind of work out and um, kind of be isolated away from everybody. I've been doing it several times, and one day I would walk out the back door because I had the keys, and to the left of the back door there was a staircase that went upstairs in the gym and the upstairs section is just kind of like a storage area and as I was passing that door to the left I noticed a girl peeking around the corner at me she was a woman but shorter with uh, big eyes and brunette hair and I, I, I doubled back and I looked and she was gone and at the time we were dealing with a lot of homeless people so <laughs> I thought oh here we go there's this homeless person that's just, you know, snuck upstairs and she's crashing up there. Uh, so I ran upstairs and I was like, hey, you, got, you can't be in here, you gotta get out, blah, 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 blah. And I realized after looking around through all the storage areas and he, like nook and cranny, I'm like, there's no one up here. <laughs> then I, it kind of hit me too, the stairs were super hollow, like they're just wood stairs with nothing underneath them. And that means basically going up and down the stairs, it's impossible to be quiet. And I was like, I didn't even hear her run upstairs. And it kind of hit me. I was like, you know, did I just see a ghost or am I tripping? I, I'm generally pretty skeptic about anything. <laughs> I've always opened to experiences, but, I've, you know, I've never really believed in it. So I just kind of shrugged it off. I told my wife, I was like, you know, I <laughs> think I saw a ghost today. Da, 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 da. You know, not a big deal. But I was telling another buddy about it, and I actually took him up there and when he got to the landing where the staircase turns up, uh, I didn't tell him specifically where I'd seen the ghost, but uh, he just kind of stopped, he froze, he turned completely white. And he was like, he's like, is there AC up here? And actually there's no AC up there whatsoever. It's actually extremely hot upstairs. And this is in the middle of summer. So 
uh, you know, he got really creeped out. He refused to go further up those stairs. That, after that, I thought, you know, maybe I just kind of freaked him out. You know, maybe it was like, you know, tell a scary story and then all of a sudden, you know, people freak out. So um, I'm still just laughing about it. I didn't believe too much still. I, I still thought I was just seeing things that I was just, I scared my buddy a little too much. So I was talking to another buddy who came to town about it and we were out walking at night and so I was like, you want to go up there and see it? And it's him and his buddy. His other buddy did not want to go up there. He was all the way good on ghosts and stuff like that. But my buddy was like, I'll go up there. And I opened the thing, uh, the door to the back, and I'm like, you know, just right up the stairs right there. And I noticed that the, the light was on in the stairwell. And I was like, hmm, we, we usually are, you know, told to keep that light off. Maybe someone forgot, whatever. And I hit the light switch and I'm like, turn your flashlight on, on your phone, you know, that way it's actually spooky. But he gets to the middle of the stairway and I'm kind of leaning out of the, the back trying to finish my cigarette. And that's when I noticed the light came on and I was kind of listening to him go up the stairs and I knew he hadn't made it up to the top yet. And I was like, did you hit that light switch? Cause there's the light switch at the top of the stairs and at the bottom of the stairs. And it, it, I was like, don't move. And he, he's like, no, that, he's like, that wasn't me. He's like, that was you, you're messing with me. I was like, no dude, that wasn't me at all. <laughs> I was like, you didn't get to the top of the stairs? He goes, no. And so I checked the light switches, and the light switches are working just fine. So, you know, it was just kind of a weird instance where, the, you know, the lights came on and off. And at that point, I'm like, okay, there's something going on here. <laughs> and I really went down an extreme paranormal rabbit hole <laughs> at that point because I'm just one of those people who's like, you know, if, if I, I need to prove I'm not crazy. In, in a situation like this and so I you know I did tons of paranormal research I, I even went out and got like you know the EMF detectors and stuff like that and you know I haven't really caught anything specifically one thing I noticed is at the very top there's extremely high EMF which I know can cause hallucinations but that dies off in that stairwell there's no high EMF whatsoever in that stairwell whatsoever and I've gone up there a few more times and I've kind of you know looked around and, and you know spent some time up there and I haven't seen too much since then we did however have one incident where another maintenance person was up there and something growled at her and that was uh, you know as soon as I heard that I rushed up there she thought it was a raccoon or awesome but I went up there and I looked for any obstructions or you know or anything that had been like opened and you know checked around for anything but there there was nothing to be found there was no animals up there whatsoever everybody at my work thinks i'm crazy <laughs> but i know what i saw uh, i just thought it was a really cool experience and you know for me this opened up you know an entire world of questions and it's you know almost taken over my life at this point i, I listen to monsters among us every day and do all sorts of uh, paranormal research at this point. And I, 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 it's like an addiction at this point. I, I, I want to find something like that again. <laughs> but so far up there, there hasn't been much else to really report. But if I find anything out or see anything or catch anything on camera, I will definitely call back and send you links to it. Thanks, Derek. Love the show. Bye. Thank you, Matt. Now, there's yet another occupation that likely runs into all sorts of strange activity. I mean, think about it. They often work alone in forgotten corners of old buildings teeming with human history. They often work late at night in the dark 
and are the first to be called when something unusual takes place. Now I imagine maintenance people see and experience all sorts of strange activity. And I'm proud of Matt for taking steps to record and document some of his activity. Be sure to let us know if you catch anything significant, Matt. And thank you again for sharing that entry. Let's see here. What do we have left in our little arsenal? How about this unusual call from an anonymous caller? In parts unknown. Hi. So I've been listening to the podcast for a little while. And I'm not up to date on all the seasons. There's still so many, but I'm in like season three right now. And I had a very odd encounter, I guess you could say. I go to school up in the Finger Lakes in New York. And I stay on campus. And, you know, I just was with one of my roommates. And I just always had this really weird feeling. It felt like someone was always watching me from the vents. The vents are up in the ceiling and they face the bed. And I just always felt like I was being stared. And, and my roommate and I, we, we didn't share a bedroom. It's kind of like a suite. So we had like our own little kitchenette and everyone slept in their own separate bedroom. And um, I just always felt like I had this thing looming over me. And I always looked and I'm like, okay, whatever. It's nothing just in my head, you know, and. I would just move on about my day, and one day, one of my roommates and I, you know, had a disagreement or whatever, and things escalated a little bit, and long story short, I moved bedrooms, and so I had a new roommate, and my new roommate's girlfriend was like, hey, you have something attached to you, do you mind if I make you a candle, and I detach it, and get rid of it? So she was talking about actually making like an exorcism candle. You know, she practices witchcraft and, you know, like I do have this weird thing, just feeling, energy, whatever you want to call it. And I just always rushed it off. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem, whatever. Because, you know, I, I didn't know if it would actually work or not. I don't know. Whatever. Worst case scenario, what it, it's effective and I don't have this weird feeling all the time. Go for it. So, you know, she made it and she's like, when, whenever you light it, you know, just make sure you're ready to light it. So, okay, sure. So I take it to my room and I light it. And once the candle starts burning, I feel a chemical burn on my back. And the only thing I really have to describe it, so I have extremely sensitive skin. And um, one time I put Icy Hot on my back and it felt like a severe chemical burn. It felt like my skin was slothing off. I couldn't have the weight of my t-shirt on my skin. It hurt so bad. I just had to lay there and wait it out. I couldn't wipe it off. It was too painful. So it was extremely similar to that. Not to that degree, like my t-shirt didn't hurt my skin, but it was almost, it was so painful. And it lasted for about 30 minutes. The candle took about, I want to say like an hour and a half to burn off. And, you know, after the 30 minutes had passed, the pain just went away. It was a very weird feeling, but the entire time, I felt like I was being glared at from the corner of my room up by the ceiling next to the vent. Just a strong, strong glare. Like someone was just like boring their eyes into you. It was insane. And I was really uncomfortable. 
you know, so I talked to the roommate's girlfriend and I was like, hey, you know, do I have to be in the room with the candle or can I leave the room? And they're like, yeah, you can leave the room or whatever. And they had stopped by as I was talking to them. They had come by and just poked their head into my room and they looked at the exact corner of my room where I felt the thing glaring at me. And it was just really, really crazy. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I was perfectly fine before I lit the candle. And I'm pretty sure like a placebo effect doesn't cause physical pain. So what is that? (laughs) Yeah, that's my story. And that's kind of how I switched kind of religions and decided to become a hedge witch because herbs got rid of that spooky thing that was like glaring at me. Um, I like your show and I hope to hear more. Thank you, caller. No, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure that Icy Hot would burn just about anyone's back. It's a very sensitive section of skin. And that's sort of what Icy Hot does. It's in the name. But that aside, it does very little to explain the rest of this odd entry. It did make me curious, however, what signs would be present if you did have some sort of negative attachment. And according to hauntedjourneys.com, these are the signs. Fatigue and lack of energy. Constantly feeling cold. Powerful negative emotions. Mental fogginess and lack of clarity. Poor memory and concentration. Anxiety and panic attacks, depression, mood swings, being avoided by others, intrusive and obsessive thoughts, problems with relationships, constantly fighting with others, frequent abdominal pains or headaches, suicidal thoughts, hearing inner voices, seeing images that are not there, insomnia, feeling suffocated or pressure on your chest when you're asleep. Many folks will report waking up feeling paralyzed, suffocated, or like something is sitting on them. Fears, phobias, obsessions, strange skin sensations, such as vibrations on your body, addictions or abusive behavior, anorexia, bulimia, severe allergies, feelings of being watched, impulsive behavior or attraction to dangerous situations, or the sudden onset of aches and pains in the body, including chronic and constant pain with unknown origin. Now please excuse me while I go see a witch about a candle. Thanks again, caller, for sharing your entry. Now, before we round things out tonight, a quick reminder that you can access our VIP exclusive shop at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click the VIP shop tab. I think there might be a couple of hoodies left for sale over there, if you're interested. While supplies last, of course. There's just a couple leftovers from the pre-order. Oh, and by the way, if you need it, The passcode is... Now then, on to tonight's final entry. And you know what they say about giving ghosts a name. And sometimes, you're giving it power. Well, what happens if the name you give it is spooky in itself? Please welcome Jessica from Texas to the program. Hi, Derek. My name is Jessica, and I'm from Southeast Texas, Orange, Texas area. And I've, I've heard a few calls that have happened down here, but I have a few things that never really crossed my mind until I started listening to your podcast. Well, 
me and my brother are Irish twins. We were born two days from being exactly a year apart. And I wouldn't say that we have a twin tuition, but me and my brother have always like kind of felt, I know when he's scared and he knows when I'm scared. He knows when I'm sad. I mean, certain things like that. I, I don't really necessarily think that it's like a twin tuition type of thing. I think it's more like a sibling thing, but it's always been super weird that we've done that. We're 24 and 25 now, but whenever we were about four and five years old, I remember we used to see things all the time. And one of the things that were really in particular was a tall man with a top hat and a black suit that we called Mr. Spooky. Well, we saw Mr. Spooky, you know, we were five and six years old or whatever we were, four or five. We were super young, so, I mean, we didn't know particularly what this thing was. We just thought he was spooky, so his name is Mr. Spooky. <laughs> so we saw him everywhere we went. There was a point in time where, you know, we told our mom and my nana, my papa, and, you know, my nana's always been very superstitious, always. I mean, she's a number one fan of aliens. She loved them so much. She loved ghosts, ghost adventures, everything. She was such a fan of it, and she would always tell me, oh, it's just your grandfather or it's your guardian, but, you know, we always had a very unsettling feeling about it. We never liked it. You know, we would always cry and run away, and one day we were messing around with each other, and we were just saying, oh, we're not scared of Mr. Spooky, and then all of a sudden the lights went out. Our house was the only house on the block the lights went out on. You know, we were so young, we didn't think that was weird, but, you know, the older that we got and the more that we talked about it, the more that we knew it was so weird, you know, because, like, why, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And we would put two and two together, and, you know, Mr. Spooky was always lurking, and we could never come up with the word for it, but we knew that he was lurking, and it was just so odd to always see him doing those things and you know he would misplace stuff and he would just follow us anywhere we went you know eventually we stopped seeing him but while we were still seeing Mr. Spooky there was an instance where my aunt and my other aunt played a Ouija board and this was whenever we were around the same age if not a year later it was the next door and me and my brother didn't understand what that was at the time. And I will never get it out of my head that me and my brother saw what we, you know, it, it was like a wolf man. You know, he was sitting there, he had a smile that went from ear to ear, and all I can describe it is he looked like a giant dog. But it, it had more of like a human-like essence to it. Like we knew it wasn't an animal, but we knew it was so evil that we screamed and cried. And it was so scary at that time. We didn't understand what this thing was and what it was doing, but we knew it had bad intentions. And we eventually had to get the house blessed. And I mean, it was just so much. We didn't understand. Mr. Spooky has gone away now, but me and my brother still have that little situation thing. And we talk about it a lot. We absolutely love your podcast. We listen to it all the time. And it wasn't until I started listening to some of your, like, you know, Glimmer Man and Shadow Figure stuff that it really sparked us to talk about it. And I really hope that if anybody else has ever had this experience, you know, please share it because I want to know that we're not the only ones that have ever seen this type of stuff. It's very scary, but 
Thank you so much, Derek. Keep it up. Thank you, Jessica. Mr. Spooky. I'm not kidding. I just might have to make Sarah start calling me that. That's a good one. Now, as callers sometimes do, Jessica actually called back with some additional information. Hi, Derek. It's Jessica again. I just sat down with my brother, and he wanted me to share some more experiences that we've had since we were, like, really younger. There's so many. Me and my brother have always been susceptible to seeing certain things, and, I mean, some things were kind of hard to talk about, but a lot of them really weren't. It was more just odd, but there was one time that me and my mom were arguing, and a hanger went flying across the room. And it hit my mom in the back. And, you know, we, me and my mom, we went to my Nana, and she's like, oh, that's just your grandmother. She's telling you to leave your daughter alone. She, she's not doing nothing to you. You know, my Nana always stuck up for us. Even if I was in the wrong, I was her baby. And, you know, you could do no wrong. And same thing for my brother. And the older that we got, the more things that would happen. You know, things would come flying off the shelf and... You know, candles would burst. And that, that was the weirdest thing, is that candles would be sitting there and they would burst. It wasn't until, I think, 2020 that somebody... My nana had already passed on at this time. She passed away July 25th from COVID. And my backdoor neighbors, you know, we live in, like, a pretty big stretch of land, and then we have a fence, and then we have neighbors that are behind us. Their motion-sensing camera caught something. And I don't know how to email you this, but... It is a figure of a man with a rag around his neck and a cowboy hat, and there's a dog that is walking beside him. And I can tell you that is my grandfather, and that is my dog, Sasha. That was his baby. He is always playing tricks on us. He's always moving candles, and he's always picking stuff up and hiding them, and he is just such a goof. And he's been doing this ever since. We were babies. And we know that for a fact because we had a psychic come out and, you know, my Nana wanted to hear from her husband. And he would tell us, you know, we're, we're, we're full Indians. We're Cherokee. And he, you know, my papa was real dark. You know, he was very, very, you know, you could tell he was an Indian. And he would say, there's a man that has very dark skin and he's calling me Barbie. And that was my Nana was saying that he loved her and ever since then we knew it was him but like more on the evil parts of stuff we'll hear growling we'll hear scratching we'll hear our name being called out of nowhere like you know we will just hear things I don't know what it is and I don't know why we hear these but we think it's each other you know me and my mom I live with her now and we think it's each other calling our names, but, you know, either I'm not home or she's not home. And our house has always been filled with negativity. You know, it's like the spot that, that we're at, you know, we've had a murderer that lived with us at one point, like my, my uncle, basically, but he didn't commit the murder, but he was with a man who did commit the murder. And he had a lot of demons with him, and now he's serving in prison. But ever since then... Things have slowed down since he went to jail, but things definitely are still really weird. I hate being there by myself. I hate being in a dark room by myself in that house. It's the very back bedroom. 
and you can just feel negativity. And it's partly where me and my brother would see the dog man, the wolf. It, it was like a wolf, and I can't get it out of my mind. It was so scary and crazy. And I know that I'm all over the place, but we're just talking about this. And I know you're probably not going to use this one because this one is, like, super, like, crazy and all over the place. But, I mean, if anybody has ever had any of these experiences, I definitely want to hear about it. Well, Jessica, you know I'm going to use it. Now, there's a lot going on here. An aptly named entity, exploding candles, ghosts caught on camera, strange sounds, a wolfman. And if I had to guess, Jessica, I'd say that maybe you might be the common variable here. Not to sound too woo-woo, but look inward on your paranormal journey. And if I were you, try to get your hands on one of those candles from our previous caller. Thank you again for sharing that terrifying entry. Now listen, I know you've all heard me talk about microdosing and the benefits that it has. But did you know that all sorts of people, myself included, are microdosing to boost their mood, fall asleep more easily, and even help with pain and workout recovery? Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level dose of THC to help you feel just the right amount of good without getting high from just one gummy. It's like finding the sweet spot between CBD and THC that gives you the benefits of both. Decreased anxiety, a mood lift, and the ability to fall asleep more easily. Now, microdose gummies are legal everywhere in the United States and are made with high-quality organic ingredients infused with Oregon-grown berries. I like to enjoy one at the end of a long day. Now, microdose is available nationwide. And to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Now, links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and code Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now back to tonight's spookiness. Now, crank down the window. Feel the night air on your skin. And wave as Joel passes by en route to the state of Texas. Hi, my name is Joel, and I live 30 miles south of Austin. So my story happened in 1990, between 1990 and 1991. I was living at a town that's like 10,000 people or so, real small town, right? Uh, I was 16. I just barely got my driver's license. And my girlfriend lived eight miles out of town. She lived in a smaller town than me. Her city was less than 1,000 people. Like the streets, they didn't even have curves or anything like that. So I didn't own a car, so I had to wait for my parents to fall asleep so that I could take their car and, you know, just take it without asking them so I could go see my girlfriend. So when they fell asleep, it was probably about 10.30. I took it. You know, I'm not an expert. I just barely got my license, like I said, and I take off. Halfway to my girlfriend's house, I saw that the gas light like that little gaslight emblem came on. I wasn't worried about it because where my girlfriend lives, it's Maxwell. It's a small town called Maxwell, Texas. 
this town is about 45 miles southeast of Austin. And, you know, I was going to get gas after I left her house. Okay, so I went to my girlfriend's house. I ended up leaving, I'm guessing, 1 in the morning, 1.30, something like that. So, of course, I'm going to go get gas. Well, I thought it was 24 hours a day, the gas station. But it wasn't. It was closed. So I'm like, oh, man, what do I do? So I was like, okay, well, let's risk it. Remember, back then, I didn't have cell phones or anything like that. There were no cell phones or nothing. So I'm driving. It's an eight-mile journey from her house to mine. So I'm going, and I'm going east. I have to go east to get back to my hometown, which is Lockhart, Texas. So I'm driving. I probably drove about a mile. As soon as I, that mile hit, the car ran out. The car just stopped. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to go get gas. It was dark. There was no lights. The only light that we had were from the stars or whatever, the sky. So I'm walking. As soon as I take off, like, my senses are on alert, you know, because I'm, I'm scared. You know, I'm 16. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the country, right? So I'm. it's not that I'm scared of people. I'm scared of, like, maybe a critter could come out of nowhere and, you know, bite me or whatever. So I'm, I'm walking home. So remember, my ears are on alert. My everything. I'm, I'm looking at everything. All of a sudden, to my right, this car just shows up out of nowhere. And I'm not shocked that a car showed up. I'm shocked that I didn't hear it, nor did I see the lights coming. And so I looked, and there was this man. He, he looked, he reminded me of, of uh, Santa Claus. You know, big old white man, beard, old, gray hair, you know, normal car, nothing fancy. And he says, hey, you need a lift, don't you? And I was like, yes, sir. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't scared. For some reason, I, I just felt at peace when I saw him. And he said, well, you need gas, don't you? And I was like, yes, sir. I had no idea how he knew it. You know, so I was like, okay, well, I got to depend on this guy. I'm not going to walk seven miles to get gas, you know, or seven miles to go home because then I'd get in trouble with my dad. So I get in the car and he takes me. And, you know, the whole time we're conversating, good, you know, nothing, you know, just normal conversation. How you doing? You know, you know, aren't you glad it's not rainy? You know, it's, you know, I'm, luckily for you, I was in the neighborhood and, you know, he make a small talk, right? So we go to the gas station, you know, we got a gas station 24 hours a day, so it's open 24 hours a day, so we go. And it, it was back in, you know, 90, so, so the gas can, it was, it was tin, it was, it was metal, it wasn't like these plastic ones now. So he comes out, he pays the lady, he pays the lady, he pays the lady. I don't even have to pay, and I said, man, let me, let me, let me give you some money. He said, no, I got it. So he puts gas in the, in the, in the gas can, so now he says, okay, let's go back. So we go back, you know. He does everything. He puts the gas in there for me, and then he tells me, get in the car, start it up to make sure it's, 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 it's okay. So I started. And he says, all right, man, be on your way, man. Have a good evening. And I'm like, man, I really appreciate it. So he gets on his car. Now remember, I'm going east, and I was walking going east. He, this man's supposed to be going east. He's supposed to be going east. Remember, he was going east when he picked me up, took me to the gas station, brought me back. But he doesn't go east. He continues, and he goes west. Now, now, now I'm like, what the heck? Why is it going west? You know, so in order for me to, to get on the road, of course, you know, they teach you in driver's ed, look, make sure no cars are coming because plus they're going 60, they're probably going 60, 70 miles on this road, you know? So then I look expecting to see this guy on my rear view mirror or at least look at the back of it for at least seven seconds. I'm expecting to see his car, right? Leaving, going west. When I turn around and look to get on the car and take off, there's no car it's like it disappeared so then I go home but I'm not scared I'm not scared at all I actually felt like now I don't know if there's guardian angels 
But if there are, that was it. So that's my story. Thank you, Joel. My first vehicle was a 1986 Ford Ranger. It ran. The radio sucked, and it was excrement brown. Oh, and the gas gauge didn't work at all. I cannot tell you the number of times I miscalculated the mileage and ran out of gas. Usually in some dusty back road somewhere. And I, too, often relied on the kindness of strangers. Some would have gas on hand. Others would give me a ride into town to the gas station. Or, and this was sort of trippy in the mid-90s, they would call my grandparents from one of those newfangled cell phones and my grandpa would drive out with a can of gas. Now eventually I ended up just keeping a gas can in the bed of the truck. Left a fool at all times. But it's nothing supernatural. Just a lot of long, creepy nights stuck on a country back road somewhere in eastern Ohio. Now I love the story, Joel, so thank you for taking the time to send it our way. Now then, this next one is another unidentified flying mystery. This time, from the state of Michigan. Hey, Derek. I wanted to share a story that kind of just happened to me the other night, or morning, I should say. So I am a brand-new mom. I have a 12-week-old son. And I was up one morning, about 5-ish a.m., and I was making his bottle. And while I was in the kitchen making the bottle, I noticed that my husband had left dishes missing. So I decided to just wash the dishes up while I still had some free time before my son woke up. I just want to make note, though, that I live in Detroit, in an urban area, so northwest Detroit. Our houses are pretty close together, and I live on the west side of the street. I am the second house off the corner. This is all important because the window in my kitchen is over the sink where I was washing dishes. The window sort of wraps around the side and then the back of my house. So it's like a corner window. From that window, I can see my neighbor's backyard. I can see my driveway. I can see the house behind my neighbor on the opposite street, um, the street behind us. And I can see the house that is on the opposite side of the house behind my neighbor's, if that makes sense and I can see into the side street. That's right off the corner from me. So I was standing there doing the dishes, kind of glanced up out of the window, just looking around. Like I said, it was five-ish in the morning, so it was still dark out. And I noticed that the house that is sort of kitty-cornered to me is on the street behind me, but it is on the opposite side of the side street. I can see the side of the house and sort of the back of the house. I noticed that there was this weird sort of yellow light reflecting off the house. It's one of those yellow lights that sort of looks like a security guard light or like a construction vehicle's light. Um, I couldn't see where the light was coming from. I can only see it's cast onto the house. So I was kind of trying to etch around and see if I can get a better view of where the light might have been coming from. Because it was five in the morning, like we don't have security. Like security just not rolling down the streets of Detroit and there was no construction happening in that roadway. So I just gave up and I was like, oh, I can't see anything. Um, finished up washing the dishes. Now, the timer on the bottle warmer went off and I went to go turn to grab the bottle out of the warmer and I noticed this strange light that was above the house that I was just looking at. The light was shaped like an omega symbol, but if the omega symbol was sort of laying at a horizontal 
So, you know, you daughter me. And the, the lights on this object were flanking each other very, very closely, like really, really flush, almost like um, the diamonds on a eternity band would look like one right at next to the other, completely tight, no space in between. And it's shaped like this Omega symbol. And I watched it sort of rise from what looked to be like it was rising from the roof of the house. It was like directly over the house. And I just watched it rise at like a steady pace up and up and up and up, like very smoothly, just rising, sort of like floating above the house until it got to the tree line of the trees that are on the verges of the homes on that street. And it just disappeared. Like rub my eyes. I'm like, wait. Like I didn't have my glasses on, and I didn't have my phone to record. But I just rub my eyes. I'm like, am I seeing things? Like, what the hell did I just see? Now I do live en route to Metro Detroit Airport, but I lived here for 18 years. I know what a plane looks like flying overhead. This was not an airplane. Airplanes don't rise above people's homes and then disappear. Like I said, it was dark. It, was it cloudy? I can't say because it was dark. Um, but it couldn't have been too cloudy because I could see the tree line. So in terms of conditions, like this was not an airplane. My husband thinks it was a drone, but like, like I said, we live in like Northwest Detroit. I don't think people are paying for drones to fly above people's houses at 5 a.m. Like I just don't think that is what this was. I have no idea what it was. I have not seen it again. And I get up at the time of morning every day to prepare his morning vomit. So I have no idea what it was. Urban UFO seems strange, but I would love to know what you think. Thanks, Derek. Bye. Thanks, caller. Well, I've heard of all sorts of shapes given when describing a UFO. But this is possibly the first Omega-shaped craft I've ever heard of. Now, of course, Omega is a letter of the Greek alphabet. And coincidentally, looks a lot like a horseshoe with the open end down if you can picture that. So being unfamiliar with reports of this shape, I took to the World Wide Web, and just like most of these encounters, it's already been reported. Outside the International Space Station back in 2016, NASA live-streamed a spacewalk in which a strange, hovering, omega or horseshoe-shaped object floated by in the background. Now everything is captured on the video, but it seems as soon as someone noticed, the feed mysteriously cut. Now that link is where it always is. The show notes are in the show description. So I don't know. If you're listening, caller, have a look at that video. Let us know if it's the exact same object. And thanks again for sharing the entry. Now this next one comes to us from Pennsylvania, but takes place in Iowa. Please welcome another anonymous caller. Hey Derek, I got a story about a paranormal experience that my friend had when I was with him. I'm a uh, pot farm owner in central Washington state. I live and have a house in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We kind of travel back and forth every couple of years. And uh, this one year, my one buddy went with me back from Pittsburgh to uh, Washington, you know, do some sightseeing, you know, Mount Rushmore, Badlands, the Devil's Tower and stuff like that. 
And uh, the first day we left Pittsburgh, we got to like Des Moines, Iowa, just outside Des Moines, Iowa. And we picked a hotel just because it was, you know, walking distance, like almost in the same parking lot as Applebee's so we could have a nice dinner that night. That night, uh, everything, you know, normal in the hotel, you know, double, you know, two beds and everything, uh, normal hotel room, a little sketchy, but, you know, it is what it is. We went to bed at a normal time, uh, but then when we woke up, like, first thing, like, you know, seven, eight o'clock, my buddy said, dude, man, last night, something really freaky happened. And he said, and he was sleeping in the bed next to the window, you know, like the outside wall. And the air conditioner or PTAC unit was, uh, you know, right in front of the bed. And he said he woke up about two, three o'clock, looked up, and at the foot of his bed was like this black mist. And, you know, it, like, it looked like it had a veil on. It was like all black. He could tell it was almost like a female. It was almost like a wedding gown with the veil, but everything was black and, and kind of foggy. And it went like into the wall, the outside wall, the curtains kind of moved. And then he, he said he got like a little sprinkle of, uh, you know, like a liquid or water or whatever sprayed on him. And he looked over at me thinking it was me. He was like, you know, Eric, what are you doing? And I was in the other bed snoring fast asleep. He just rolled over and went back to bed. But, you know, he confronted me about that first thing in the morning, told me what happened. And he's not like one of these paranormal believers or anything. So he was like trying to debunk it, you know, like on those shows. He was saying, well, okay, let's think this through. Maybe the air conditioner kicked off real quick and blew the drapes and then spit condensate on me somehow. And, you know, couldn't debunk it seeing the mist or the figure and then when when we left when we checked out that morning we told the people at the register or you know at the checkout station like hey you know this weird thing happened last night we told them what happened and then there were people behind us that said really do you guys like go to haunted places to experience it like no you know and that's it okay Derek of the show hope you can use this at some point bye thanks caller that's some Ghostbusters stuff. It's almost like an ectoplasm or something was created when the entity moved through the window. Maybe some HVAC techs might be listening and know what occurred. Or maybe it was indeed, as our caller suspected, some unearthly spirit bound to our realm, confined to a Motel 6 somewhere in Iowa. Thanks again, caller, for sharing that one. Now, if you've all caught up on the main show, you may recall this next subject matter being discussed a while back. Well, Gabe from Indiana is here to add to the lore. Hey, Derek, this is Gabe from Peru, Indiana. I've been listening to your back episodes lately, and I caught the story that made you think of... Uh, something that happened when you were a kid where your cousins told you that they had a cabot, a cat rabbit half breed and it immediately reminded me of something that happened years ago i was working at a company we built and repaired repaired pools and one day the owner had come back from measuring a pool for us to either build or repair i don't remember and he said hey this there's a cabot 
at this house. And me and the other guys were going to go out and do the pool. We are what's a cabot? And like, it's a cat rabbit crossbreed. And they're like, okay, well, it's not a thing. You can't do that. So we didn't really think much of it. And when we went out to the pool, we saw the cabot. It was a cat. I don't know if it was injured or was like born like with a deformity or whatnot, but from a distance, the way it moved, it looked like a rabbit. Like it had long hair, and when it moved, it kind of hopped like a rabbit. And so, I clear eye, it looked like a rabbit running around, and then it would come up to you, and it was clearly just a cat. The owners, I don't know if it was a joke or what it was, but they insisted it was a rabbit-cat crossbreed. I just thought it was really interesting that you had a story about uh, somebody with a cabot too. So I got a lot of other spooky stories actually I'll be calling in and telling you about, but when I heard that, I had to call and tell you. So have a good one. Bye. Thanks, Gabe. I never got to see the quote-unquote cabot that my cousins had. But something tells me if I did, its explanation would have been just as benign as Gabe's. Though I still wish I could have seen it. Thanks, Gabe, for sharing your Cabot story as well. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, when I'm in the flow of being productive and creative, that's when I'm feeling like my best version of myself. And I'm sure you have times when you feel like you are firing on all cylinders and you can take anything on. But sometimes life gets in the way of that and bogs us down with stress, grief, or trauma. And when you're feeling overwhelmed, it can feel impossible to show up in life the way you want to. Now, I found that therapy helps me work through those difficult stressors so I can keep showing up as the version of myself I want to be. We all have things to get off our chest and work through. And therapy is a powerful tool that can change your life. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient and affordable. And if for some reason you aren't vibing with the therapist you're matched with, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Now, if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thanks for listening, and back to the spooky stuff. And here we are, folks. The real end to this episode. And we send this one off with a doozy of a call. From Russell, in the state of South Carolina. Hey, what's going on? First of all, super big fan of the show. My name is Russell, though. I currently live in South Carolina. Now, the, I got two stories. So these stories took place in two different areas. Uh, one of them, keep it short and sweet, uh, I was a kid. I was, I was in Missouri at the time, uh, Warrensburg, Missouri. I uh, was about seven or eight years old. We had just gotten back from the emergency room. I had, I had to get stitches in my chin. So the way my house was set up, we had we lived in a two-story duplex, and it was one of the first or second house on this like short dead-end road. And right behind our house was, you know, um, a good size of woods. And if you went 
one direction of the woods, you kept on going super deep. And if you went towards the other direction, you would eventually end up in a different neighborhood. That being said, um, my driveway started in the front and it curved around to the back of the house because that's where the garage was. Anyways, I specifically remember, uh, you know, getting home and being excited about a new video game I had. So I was like one of the first ones to get out of the car. As soon as I get out of the car, I look. So we had this fence that uh, separated our house from the other one. And this, you know, it's an old school fence. So it probably stood about seven foot tall. I remember it being very, very large, even as a small kid. And as soon as I get out of the car, I specifically remember looking over in that fence and I see this black figure that was slouched over that was kind of walking with as if he had like super heavy footsteps, you know, like just kind of charging in a slow pace towards the woods. And I remember being so scared, like, you know, what, like, what is that? But I almost couldn't even say it. And I remember my adopted dad um, getting out of the car after me and he specifically had looked over and I was me, him, my mom, and my grandma in the car. Me and my grandma were in the back, my mom and my dad were in the front. As soon as my dad gets out and sees what I'm talking about, he, I, you know, he's not the one to cuss at all. Um, but he, I remember specifically him saying, get the f- back in the car. And I remember just being in the big fetal position uh, on the floorboard thinking like, what, like, I'm gonna die. You know, what did I just see? And he peels out, goes to the front. And, you know, we go inside and they kind of just put it behind them like, oh, that was weird, you know, but, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, every family outing, I still bring it up to this day. And my dad, he looks over at me and he's like, no, I, I completely remember that. That was something very, very strange. So anyway, that's one. The other one, I wouldn't say I'm not sure if I was abducted or not, but very strange occurrences happened to me. This was in Oklahoma City at the time. I was living with my friend's mom. She was renting a room for me, et cetera. So I remember going to bed, probably had to work the next day. So I remember going to bed at probably around, you know, nine or 10. And um, I was so tired from the night before, like I didn't even, you know, get out of my clothes. And I usually sleep in, you know, boxers or my pajamas, but I didn't really get out of my, my work clothes. So I remember just kind of passing out on top of the blankets and, and just casually. And then I remember waking up and I woke up and I was completely naked under the sheets, which is really weird for me because I don't ever sleep like completely naked. So I was completely naked. I get out of my bed the next morning. There's a wet spot on the ground. And I know what immediately thinking like, yeah, you're probably sleepwalking. You peed on the ground. They're like, no, not at all. This wet stuff, it didn't have any smell to it. It was like if someone took some water and dumped it on the ground, but there's no, I didn't have any bottles of water, any like cups or anything that could have possibly spilled. And it kind of was sticky. It was a very weird substance. And then I had a TV right across from my bed and my TV, you know, it's a pretty big TV. Like, you know, it, it requires, you know, some, if you're a bigger guy, like for you to, you know, use some muscle to lift it. And my TV was turned completely around. And I just continued to think, well, this is the most bizarre thing. Like, why is my TV turned completely around? And and then the weirdest part about the whole scenario was that I had like these kind of, so I'm not really allergic to much, really anything at all, as far as I know, but I had like a weird rash in the like crevice of my arm. Like it just, you know, nothing crazy happened to it. Just, you know, put some calamine on it. It didn't itch. I didn't really spread. It was just kind of like a, a broad area of serrash that I don't ever remember having. 
So, you know, who's to say I was abducted or I could have just slept walk. But the, the thing about that is I, I haven't really, like my mom said I slept walk one time when I was a kid. I didn't do much. I just kind of walked around the house to the kitchen and, you know, went back to bed. Uh, but I haven't, you know, that was when I was like five or six. But anyways, so yeah, those are my two stories. I have plenty of more that I've experienced throughout my life. So I appreciate the time, man. And uh, yeah, talk to you guys later. Thank you, Russell. Well, what do you make of that? A shadow in the yard and a possible alien abduction. Now, are these two coincidental, albeit odd occurrences? Or like the 1952 case of ufologist Albert K. Bender, are they somehow terrifyingly connected? Bridgeport, Connecticut, 1953. Albert K. Bender the nation's top UFO investigator, receives a threatening visit that will bring his research to an abrupt and premature halt. Albert K. Bender founded the International Flying Saucer Bureau. This was during the big UFO flap of 1952 when flying saucers were witnessed over Washington, D.C. and many other areas around the world. And this organization blew up big within that first year. However, just a year later, he suddenly ended the International Flying Saucer Bureau, and people wondered why. And what happened was that he came home one night, went into his bedroom, and suddenly these three dark, shadowy figures materialized through his wall into his bedroom. They were wearing the hats and the overcoats. They had glowing eyes, and they smelled like sulfur. According to Bender, the three entities communicated with him through telepathy, warning him to discontinue his UFO research and stop publishing his influential magazine, The Space Review. Afterwards, he became ill and didn't eat for three days. After this experience, Bender was repeatedly visited. He said they gave him headaches, they they controlled him telepathically, and he ultimately gave up his UFO researches and stopped publishing The Space Review, in which he documented UFO sightings throughout the world. Now that clip courtesy of history's ancient aliens. And I'm not saying there's a literal connection here. But if I were you, Russell, I would keep your eyes open, just in case. Thanks again for that submission. And thank you for sticking around to the real end of the show. And thank you so much for all the support over at Patreon. We wouldn't be here without you. Now, Monsters Among Us Beyond is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the music you heard in this episode was provided by Co.AG Music, Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, and Carl Casey at White Bad Audio. Thanks again, folks. Have a great night. And keep it spooky.
On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.